So it's all about the US debt ceiling talks, obviously. On Friday, the talks post, so markets sold off. Over this weekend, well, the US politicians actually decided to resume talks again today so the market mood is a little bit better this monday morning but obviously no one is fully comfortable investing in one direction or the other before a concrete deal is reached on the u.s debt ceiling and we have unfortunately another full week to go before the june 1st deadline is reached to see whether the u.s will default or not on its debt so welcome to the new week of trading with swissco's daily market talk So everything was pretty fine last Friday as U.S. debt negotiations were thought to be well going well. The European stocks were up and the S&P 500 hit a fresh high since last summer and good vibes stayed unfortunately until Garrett Graves who was actually negotiating for the Republicans for the debt ceiling abruptly walked out the table calling the White House unreasonable and declaring opposed to the debt ceiling discussions. So that was obviously bad news and at that point in time we didn't even know if the debt ceiling discussions would resume during this weekend. So equity sold off before the weekly closing bell and yields rose. And happily, U.S. President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy had a productive call this Sunday and they agreed to resume talks today to avoid what could be a very, very damaging U.S. default on its payment. So we are kind of good this Monday morning and we will probably be good as well as U.S. politicians will likely strike a last minute deal to avoid a catastrophic outcome on the U.S. debt ceiling and things will be fine probably as well moving forward. But Janet Yellen keeps crying that the U.S. will receive taxes by mid-June only and she's not sure that there will be enough money in the Treasury's coffers to carry on and pay the bills until that date. So the U.S. Treasury General account uh, that the U.S. government has been tapping in right now since the debt ceiling crisis because they can't issue new debt has no more than 116 billion U.S. dollars left in it. And it is said that a potential U.S. default could send equities 20% down and the U.S. yield significantly higher as well. Although a deal on the debt ceiling, which is still my base case scenario, will likely support the actual equity rally. But as we discussed before in earlier episodes, the equity rally, which is in place since the start of this year and which has most surprisingly not been derailed by the mini bank crisis in U.S. regional banks and the debt ceiling default in the U.S. Well, is interestingly actually supported by the excess liquidity that these two events actually injected into the market because to maintain a bank liquidity at healthy levels, the Federal Reserve has been injecting extra liquidity into the U.S. financial system and the U.S. Treasury is also pushing cash into the system in tandem by spending whatever is in their treasury general account because as i said before they can't issue new debt to service their debts when the debt ceiling uncertainty is well looming therefore yes the end of the debt ceiling crisis and the end of the bank stress across the u.s regional banks are 
good for the mood, but they are not necessarily excellent news for liquidity altogether. And well, we all know that liquidity is one of the reasons why equities in the US did so well this year. So I think that the rally could actually be in jeopardy still after a New York relief jump that we might see on news that the US won't default on its payments, hopefully. Anyway, looking elsewhere, well, the US two-year yield spike passed the 4.30% mark on Friday, even though the Federal Reserve President Jerome Powell said on Friday that interest rates in the US may not have to rise as much as they expected to curb inflation in the US as well, the bank stress is playing a nice, nice role restricted credit conditions in the US. And beyond Jerome Powell, well, the Federal Reserve members look kind of undecided on whether they should keep raising the interest rates or to pose, but none of them actually see the US rates being cut this year. So the US dollar is down for the second day after a more than 2.5% rebound since the beginning of May. Now, obviously, the safe haven demand for the greenback due to the debt ceiling saga is one of the reasons why the US dollar saw these inflows over the past couple of weeks and an eventually lower liquidity when all these crises are over, obviously, well, could actually be supportive of the greenback moving forward. But it's important to note that the divergence between the Federal Reserve, which has certainly come toward the end of its own tightening cycle, and the European Central Bank that still has a couple of interest rate hikes left on the pipeline probably, maybe two or even three, well hint that the recent weakness in the euro dollar could actually see a bottom near the current levels. From a technical standpoint, the 107.30 level, which is the minor 23.6% Fibonacci retracement on September to May rally, should give some support to the actual bullish trend for a renewed rally in the euro dollar above the 110 and toward the 112 mark. Now in Japan, the selling pressure on the Japanese well, couldn't be clearer to anyone. The fact that we haven't heard anything hawkish, a little bit more hawkish than extremely dovish from the Bank of Japan is really, really surprising. Yet, the latest data from Japan revealed that the national CPI rose to 4.5% in April, and that's up from 3.2% printed earlier, and defying analyst expectations of a fall to around 2.5%. Core inflation rose from 31 to 3.4% as expected. So the cheap yen and the Bank of Japan's ultra-supportive monetary policy despite the rising inflation and the Japanese corporate reforms and obviously somehow from Warren Buffett who has recently invested in Japanese stocks actually helped the Nikkei index to hit a three-decade high this month and inflows into the Japanese stocks could actually continue as according to the latest Bank of America survey or portfolio allocations to the Japanese stocks fell net 11% underweight. So the question is, what will happen when the Bank of Japan will finally reverse its ultra-easy monetary policy to adapt to the rising inflation and to the hawkish global winds? Because they will have to do that at some point. So I think that at that point, the yen will certainly gain and all the equities will certainly give back the recent gains. But obviously, no one knows how long the Bank of Japan plans to remain this absurdly dovish. What we know, however, is that the tensions between China 
and the West actually gets worse by the day, unfortunately, because the G7 meetings that were taking place over this weekend revealed that the UK is also willing to follow the US right now in curbing business investments in China. Mm -mm -mm -mm. China, on the other hand, hits back. The West saying that Micron chips actually failed to pass a cybersecurity review, and that the Chinese government now warns the Chinese operators against buying the Micron chips. So that's really heating up. Happily, Micron is not the most dependent chip maker on the Chinese business. So that's one good news for Micron, but the others are not as lucky because Qualcomm makes 64% of its revenue, for example, out of China. So no wonder the company has not been as lucky as Nvidia since the start of this year. Anyway, big banks like Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley now scale back their expansion plans in China while other big banks like Citi and JP Morgan, for example, cut their exposure to China. But some investors, as Michael Burry, for example, still see light at the end of this Chinese tunnel by getting back to the Chinese big technology stocks like Alibaba and JD.com. Now, time will tell whether Burry is right to get back on the Chinese board, but Nasdaq's Golden Dragon China index has clearly, clearly underperformed Nasdaq index since the start of this year, and there is no apparent improvement in the global appetite for Chinese stocks and that despite a supportive monetary policy from the People's Bank of China and return to growth in China following the end of the strict COVID measures, investors are simply too scared that Xi Jinping's national security obsession could easily scrap all his investor-friendly measures and well, leave investors on the back foot yet again. So this is all for this Monday. I'm Ipek Özkardeşkaya and thank you for joining me and thank you for all your beautiful and supportive and interesting messages. I hope this episode of Market Talk has been helpful and it has been insightful to you. So please do not hesitate to leave your comments your reactions and your questions below as usual and follow us on instagram on twitter and on linkedin for regular market updates and subscribe of course to our youtube channel for daily market comments i will meet you again tomorrow and until then good day trading